inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott V. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to the world of Mr. Black. I am he and you are you. And the time is now for Like It Matters Radio. Live in life like it matters. And today, we're going to go into one of the very, I don't know, I want to say the most important, it's a very important trait of a leader, and that is called behavior modification. You know, my forte is in leadership development, leadership training. I've been doing intensive leadership training for about 30 years now. You can read about it at likeitmatters.net. And, you know, one of the things I do is I go through characteristics, qualities of a leader. Why? Because if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, then it must be a duck. In other words, evidence demands a verdict. And the same thing with leadership. You know, we say this all the time as followers of the God of the Bible. If being a Christian were a crime, would there be enough evidence to convict you? In other words, is there enough evidence that demands a verdict to say that you are, in fact, a Christian. The same thing for a leader. Is there enough evidence? Do you demonstrate enough things that people can say that's an effective leader? See, that's what James was talking about when he said that faith without works is dead. He wasn't disagreeing with Paul who said that faith alone, uh, through grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. He wasn't uh, arguing that point. He was saying the same thing. He was saying that if true changes take place, if this person is truly born again, and they are truly a new creation, then you will notice it through their external output. When we change the internalness of our heart, then our external behavior changes as well. It's one of the things I love about my leadership training. In 48 hours, we start on a Thursday, people show up at the hotel at four o'clock, and then they're finished just two days later on Saturday, graduations complete everything by 5 p.m. And people are blown away because they leave my training. It's one of the most incredible things they've ever done. And then people notice things. Hey, what's different about you? Hey, did you get a haircut? Hey, you working out? Hey, you look good. You lose some weight. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's like that. Uh, I don't know if it was a Viagra commercial. It was one of those little blue pill commercials. A guy, a little nerdy guy, walks in the office with a big old swing in his step. Uh, and, you know, he's got a big old smile, ear to ear, grin on his face. You couldn't wipe off if you if you did something bad to him. And uh, he's like, hey, Bob, uh, you're looking good. You're working out. Oh, no. Hey, did you get a new haircut? Oh, no. Hey, did you lose some weight? Oh, no. Just a big old ear to ear grin and smile. And it's a... Uh, ED commercial. You know what I mean? So the same thing happens when you have an internal change. Externally, things appear different because you're doing things differently. And that's what happens in our leadership training, that when people leave our training, they are doing things differently without even thinking about it. And so there are lots of characteristics of effective leadership. Leaders have a vision and communicate it to their team. 
Uh, Leaders make decisions, whether popular or not. Leaders are role models. They give people something to model. Leaders have expectations of excellence. Uh, Leaders take risks. They step outside the box. Uh, Leaders are motivators. And I'm going to kind of stop there because that's really what we're talking about today. When we're talking about behavior reinforcement. See, as a leader, You've got to be able to develop people. Remember, rule number one about being a leader is not about you. Get off yourself. So many people are wrapped up in themselves. We live in the me time, the time of me. The selfies, the number one uh, portrait or picture taken. You know, how many people are famous today because they had to take video pictures of themselves uh, having physical intercourse with another person and then share it with the world because look at me, look at me, look at what I can do, look what I can do, right? (laughs) It's stunning. Uh, And so rule number one about being a leader, I hit people hard with it. Rule number one, get off yourself. It's not about you. It's about how you can be used, how you can sacrifice, how you can serve, how you can be a conduit of other people's growth. Because to get to the top without bringing anybody else with you, how sad. You know, when I mentor, counsel, uh, pastors, uh, counsel, uh, CEOs of Fortune uh, 500 companies, you know, I hear this a lot. You know, Black, it's lonely at the top. You know, Black, it's lonely at the top. And my first thought is, why didn't you bring more people with you? How dare you get to the top? How dare you hit that level of success in life without bringing as many people with you as possible? And so today, I want to talk about behavior modification, because one of the roles of a leader is to grow people, is to develop people. We call it motivate, to move people. Think about the word motivate. It has that root, M-O-T, you know, about motive. What was the motive that that person killed that person? What was the motive? Why did that person give that person, a stranger, $1,000? What was their reason? What moved them to do that? What was their motive, right? How about a car? You know, a good friend of mine, Brett Wassell, is into cars. My son's into cars. I'm not really into cars. And we go to these car shows and all these beautiful cars, and they got their hood up, and people want to look what's under the hood, They want to know what kind of motor is in that thing. You know what a motor does? It makes the car move with all the other parts, of course. I don't know. I'm not a mechanic, but it makes the other parts move. You need to have an axle. You need to have a front end. You need to have tires. You need to have a lot of other things. But the motor dictates how fast the vehicle moves. What kind of motor you got in that thing? That tells you how powerful it is, what it can do. It can do zero to 100 uh, in 3.2 seconds. It could do from a dead stop to 60 miles an hour, 1.5 seconds, whatever it is. I'm just making up data. So leaders, when we're talking about behavior modification, in a way, we're talking about motivation. And so let me tell you what brought this about. You know, we do a lot of work at Like It Matters. We've impacted, changed uh, tens of thousands of lives here in America, in Mexico. Uh, We've had people in China and Russia, all over the world. But I do a lot of ministry work in Uganda. And I have uh, three young men who are involved with children's uh, schools, children's homes, children's orphanages, uh, lots of different terms there. Uh, And one of them, uh, all three of them just love dearly. Uh, I got uh, Robert, I got uh, Kuwaki, uh, and Ivan. Uh, And 
uh, Ivan's one gentleman I've been working with, and it's really come to my attention that he might be able to speak English. Uh, and by the way, his English is much better than my whatever language they speak in Uganda. So, so in all fairness, uh, he's learning my language long before he ever met me because English still is the the language of business, if you will. And so, uh, I just realized you know, I've helped him buy a piece of property. Uh, we give them money monthly to help him survive and help those children. But I've come to the realization that uh, he really doesn't comprehend me. He might be able to understand English, so understand the words I'm saying. They don't sound foreign to him, foreign to him but he doesn't comprehend well. Uh, it's caused a big problem. And uh, we were talking the other day, because I also mentor these young men. I sh- share scripture with them. I counsel them in the word of God so that they can teach the children. Uh, and I had shared with them, uh, you know, on this uh, ministry that he has. And we just funded him buying a, a piece of property so they can build on it. But uh, again, he's depending on me for all this money, and I only get what you guys give me. So uh, you know, I sent him two hundred fifty to five hundred bucks a month. I sent him thirty five hundred bucks to get his property t- a month ago. But uh, uh, now he's like saying, "Okay, we need to build this. We need this and that. It'll take about two thousand. And he's like coming to me like, "I'm not your bank." I'm not your daddy. <laughs> if you're expecting me to fund this whole thing, I never asked for it. I didn't sign up for that. Uh, never told you I would. I can't do it. I don't have that kind of money. And so I said, make sure that this is God's mission, not your mission. And then he came back and said, well, any mission I have is God's mission. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I go, no, no, no. You're dealing with your flesh. You're dealing with the devil. Uh, and then also God. And so you've got to make sure that this is God. And then he quoted a Jesus, a scripture from Jesus saying that, hey, me and my father are the same, that whatever my father's will, that's only what I do. And he quoted that for himself. And I said, no, 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 that's Jesus. You can't take, Jesus was talking about himself. And then he said, ha ha, you're so funny. You're the funniest man ever because he doesn't understand what I'm talking about. And so today, on Like It Matters Radio, I'm hoping you understand what I'm talking about. And today we're talking about behavior modification. And we'll be right back. Take a listen to these words about Like It Matters Leadership Awakening from a recent attendee. Leadership Awakening is like nothing else. It's incomparable to any other training that I've been through, and that's executive, professional, communication training, to to how to hold a fork. It, the, the Leadership Awakening is a deep mental experience where I was forced to challenge my mind in a way that I've never been challenged before and it's there's nothing like it there's 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 no way to explain it with words you have to experience it leadership awakening change your heart change your mind change your life go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next leadership awakening it's not only changing lives it's saving lives that's likeitmatters.net slash schedule Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. In other words, living life 
like it matters. Hopefully you're enjoying the new bi-weekly podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can just search Living Life Like It Matters. And please uh, like us, download it, share it with at least five of your friends. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a mental health crisis. There was already one happening before uh, COVID-19 was unleashed on the American public. And now it's a lot worse. I mean, look at suicide numbers for teens. I just read an article about it just going through the roof. Uh, divorce, abuse, spousal, children. Uh, it's just crazy. Uh, people have been isolated. People have been shut down. No more movement. Uh, alcohol uh, addiction, drug addiction, all kinds of things. I mean, me personally, I put on almost 70 pounds a year and a half. 70 pounds a year and a half. So uh, Mr. Black is going to lose his COVID baby. Uh, and so we're dealing with a lot of trauma, a lot of mental health issues. Uh, and so we've got to get inside of our heads and start doing some real work. And that's what we're talking about today uh, on Like It Matters Radio, Living Life Like It Matters, behavior modification. Because one of the roles of a leader is to move people. And, you know, when Paul was one time asked, I think it was by Christ himself, so Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? See, a goad is a object, usually a stick, uh, could be a metal object, it's a pointy end, and it's a prod. And so if, you, if you're hurting animals, you'd want to poke them in the rear, you know, in the rear end, in the hindquarters, whatever you want to call it, uh, not enough to hurt them, but to make it uncomfortable so they move away from it. Uh, and an animal that's kicking against the goads, you'd have these sharp things that are pushing on the person, that animal, to move them in a different direction. If they get mad and kick against it, they're going to hurt themselves. They're going to cut themselves open. It's a sharp object. And so many times in life, you know, we're being guided by people who care about us. But because we are rebellious nature, we kick against the goads. And so we've got to be able to modify people's behavior as a leader. You can call it discipline. That's one way to do it. Uh, but you can call it reward. See, today we're actually going to go into something called neuroassociative conditioning. And neuroassociative conditioning is basically the concept that uh, when you move everything else out of the way, there are two driving forces in life, the desire for pleasure and the avoidance of pain. And we are feelings-driven people, neuroassociative conditioning. Again, we associate feelings with something and we get conditioned. You know, for me, I'm struggling with my weight. It's time that I got to lose this weight, get moving again. Uh, and because my motivations today, what drives me are so much different than they were just two years ago, but drastically different than they were 10 years ago, uh, incredibly different than they were 20 to 30 years ago, and back then, I had different motivators, things that moved me. And so today, we want to talk about what is the process of change? How do we move people? And one thing I want to bring up is the book that I reference on a regular basis. I want to kind of dissect a little bit. Uh, it's called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. One of the best books I've read in a long, long time. Read it a couple years back. Uh, highly, 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 highly recommend called The Power of Habit. And in there, <clears throat> this is a, a, a segment I pulled out, uh, and uh, Charles Duhigg was meeting with a professor, a professor of neuroscience at University of Cambridge. His name was Wolfram Wolf Ram Schultz. 
And um, Charles Duhigg said it's kind of like if you picture uh, uh, the the Gubernator, right? <laughs> the Terminator. That's his kind of his his voice. The guy's I think pretty sure he's German, so he's got that same type of accent. And Schultz's speciality is exploring how we learn. In particular, uh, the focus with Charles Duhigg was a few years ago. Schultz became interested in an eight-pound macaw monkey named Julio. Now, Schultz's assistant had inserted a very thin electrode into Julio's brain that allowed them to observe the monkey's neural activity. So one day, Schultz positioned Julio in a dimly lit room and turned on a computer monitor. Julio's job was to touch a lever whenever colored shapes appeared on the screen. If Julio touched the lever, a drop of blackberry juice would run down a tube hanging from the ceiling and onto Julio's lips. And guess what they found out? Julio liked blackberry juice. So at first, Julia was only mildly interested in what was happening on the computer screen. But once that first dose of juice arrived, once he got that good feeling, that good smell, that good taste, the monkey all of a sudden changed his modus operandi. In other words, what motivated him, right? Now, all of a sudden, Julio became very focused. As Julio uh, came to understand that the shapes on the screen were a cue, Get rid, remember that term Q for a routine. Another, remember the routine? Touch the level, the lever, and then it was a reward, blackberry juice. So he started staring at the screen with a laser-like intensity. As Schultz monitored the activity within Julio's brain, he saw an incredible pattern. And I got the graphics on this. It's pretty impressive. Whenever Julia received his reward, his brain activity would spike in a manner that suggested he was experiencing happiness. And again, a transcript of the neurological activity shows actually what it looked like. In essence, I got a reward. You can see this big old spike when he got the juice, reward response. So you can see it's a shapes on the screen, the activity is normal. The lever, he just introduced the lever, activity is normal. But when the juice came out, all of a sudden you can see this huge spike, and it's called the re reward response. So, Schultz took Julio through the same experiment again and again and again. And as Julio became more and more practiced at the behavior, you know, at touching the lever, whenever Julio saw the shapes, it became a habit. And then Schultz would actually be able to see on this screen a neurological change occur. And after he did this a few times, what happens, and this is what happens with the brain, it starts running the pattern. They're called neural pathways. And once it understands the pattern, it'll run it on its own. And it's pretty, your brain's pretty smart like mine is. It figures out we have an entire system called the basal ganglia. It's, it's only job, only job is to get you into a habit as quick as possible. Because remember, we only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. The rest is at the unconscious level. And so we are automated creatures, if you will. And only 3 to 5% of our brain is being used constantly, but we're experiencing all the other stuff. It's just at the unconscious level. And so you got to realize that this stuff is always, always going on. And so what happened as, as Julio became more familiar with the routine, with the pattern, with the, quote, habit, the monkey's brain began anticipating the black bear juice. Isn't that incredible? Incredible. Schultz's probes started recording the I got a reward pattern the instant Julio saw the shapes on the screen. Isn't that incredible? 
<coughs> I'm looking at right here. So it, it's normal activity, shapes on the screen, normal activity, lever, normal activity. He gets the juice, and now there's this huge spike. That's at the very beginning. But after running this a few times, I don't know if it's a dozen or two dozen times, now you look at the brain waves. There's shapes on the screen, and then his brain starts spiking right after those shapes on the screen before he pulls on the lever and before he gets the juice. Why? Because it was now expected. They created a habit with Julio. Isn't that incredible if you think about that? In other words, the shapes on the monitor had become a cue not just for pulling a lever, but also for a pleasure response inside the monkey's brain. Then Schultz adjusted the experiment. Previously, Julio had received juice as soon as he touched the level. Now, sometimes the juice didn't arrive at all, even if Julio performed correctly, or it would arrive after a slight delay, or it would be watered down until it was only half as sweet. When that happened, Julio would get angry, or ready for this, people? Probably none of you have ever done this, or become mopey. Isn't that incredible? Or become mopey. And within Julia's brain, Schultz watched a new pattern emerge, craving. When Julio anticipated juice but didn't receive it, a neurological pattern associated with desire and frustration erupted. When Julio saw the cue, he started anticipating a juice-fueled joy. But if the juice didn't arrive, that joy became a craving that, if unsatisfied, drove Julio to anger or depression. Isn't that amazing? Just like us. This, scientists say, is how habits emerge and why they are so powerful. And they create neurological cravings. Most of the time, these cravings emerge so gradually that we're not really aware they exist. But as our brains start to associate certain cues, a donut box maybe, with certain rewards, you know, yummy jelly, a subconscious craving emerges. And so whenever we see the, quote, Dunkin' Donuts or the Krispy Kreme container in the break room, we start craving a donut, even if just moments before we weren't hungry at all. So remember, the loop, the habit of a loop, of the loop of a habit is three things. There's a cue, there's a routine, and there's a reward. There's a cue, there's a routine, and there's a reward. Now, for me, I am struggling with my weight. Uh, boy, before the pandemic, it was a little slighter, but since the pandemic, it's got worse. And now what I'm struggling with is how getting back on a diet because things that used to motivate me now don't motivate me the same way. And so as I'm looking into rewiring myself, reprogramming, and then I saw something, and not just the Ivan thing, but something else I'll talk about after the break, because there was something else that made me consider what type of things are we teaching people? Because it's stunning. Think about this. The sins of the father go three and four generations. That's what the Bible says. In other words, our kids learn from us. And the question we must ask ourselves, what type of behavior are they watching? for them to act the way they act. So today on Like It Matters Radio, we're living life like it matters, and we're talking about behavior modification. We'll be right back.
take a listen to this comparison of other training to Leadership Awakening. For probably two-thirds of my 30-year law enforcement career, I spent time in supervision and management, so I've been to a lot of leadership training. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I went to a leadership course in California where I worked, and it's an eight-month program. I went through that program. I went back later on as a facilitator, so I, I taught leadership. What we did in class was completely different than any other leadership program that I've been through. I mean, in 48 hours of leadership training in your program, it was just, it was dynamic. It was intense. It was powerful. You know, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Leadership Awakening. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your life. Go to likeitmatters.net slash schedule for the next Leadership Awakening. Welcome back to Living Life Like It Matters. I am Mr. Black, and today we are covering an important topic in today's world, in the world, in the role of a leader, and that is behavior modification. And today we're focusing on the book by Charles Duhigg called Power of Habit. Highly, 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 highly recommend it. Because what's going on right now in this world is we're being played, players. We're being played. Remember, a majority of our experience is at the unconscious level. We only use 3 to 5% of our brain consciously. So there's a lot of activity going on uh, that we're not aware of. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you listen to this show, radio show for any amount of time, if you listen to our podcast, Living Life Like It Matters, um, we are being manipulated. I mean, Joseph Goebbels in Nazi Germany, they did this. Um, marketers, advertisers, product designers do this all the time. I remember the years ago when, when Coke used to like white people, uh, I did a lot of work for them. And when they were designing the Dasani, when they were coming out with Dasani, before they'd come out with it, they spent a good year just on the design of the bottle. And I remember hearing the story about how they came up with the blue. That blue on Dasani is gold. That blue that they use on their water bottle, uh, unconsciously, at the subconscious level, uh, makes you thirsty. It tells you this is good water, refreshing, deli I'm delicious. I'm telling you, packaging matters. Why do you think people spend so much money on packaging? Why do you think people are so fake and plastic? Because they're putting on a package because they know that they can trigger you at the unconscious level. I mean, read Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radical. You lead all this stuff that the left and the radicals use to, to make you believe this, even though it's like magic. It's like a sleight of hand. Uh, it's distraction. They're making you think one thing over here and there's another thing over there. And part of the reason what set this up wasn't just Ivan. I talked earlier about Ivan, one of the men in Uganda that I mentor, that I realized that I can't adapt his, his behavior. As a leader, if I can't do modified behavior, if that's not an option to me, I, I, I can't lead somebody. I mean, communication is the foundation for all relationships. And as a leader, as a mentor, as a guide, part of our role is behavior modification. When people come into my class uh, as quick as possible, I'm working at getting them out, off of their wide path and get them onto my narrow path. And in order to do that, I can come across as harsh the first night because it's intense behavior modification. 
I say what's normally acceptable outside this classroom for the next two days will not be acceptable. And boy, it's hard to get people out of old habits. That's why I've talked about before the break in segment two about the monkey Julio. But let me go to another segment because this is even more fascinating from the book, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And they're talking about the history of toothplace. And in this little, this little snippet I, I pulled from the book says, The Power of Habit, how the history of toothpaste explains why you can't lose weight. Uh, and by the way, this is gentleman, a prominent American businessman named Claude C. Hopkins. Claude C. Hopkins, he's he's famous now. Uh, he's uh, at the time was one of the most famous advertising executives when he was approached uh, about a toothpaste named Pepsodent. Remember Pepsodent? Yeah, I remember that too. I don't use it, but I remember it. So at the time of this of this story, uh, Hopkins was the ad man who had convinced Americans to buy Schlitz beer by boasting that the company cleaned their bottles with live steam. And then in parentheses, it says, while neglecting to mention that every other company used the same method. But again, this is about advertising. This is about manipulating you. This is about moving you. This is about behavior modification. What do you think all advertisers are doing? Don't you know what all advertisement is about? It's about behavior modification. So Hopkins' greatest contribution would be helping to create a national toothbrushing habit. See, before that time, that people didn't brush their teeth. I don't know a lot of people don't realize this, but a lot of people did not before this story happened. Uh, tooth brushing was not a big part of the American concept, if you will. As a matter of fact, the article says before Pepsi did, almost no Americans brushed their teeth. A decade after Hopkins' advertising campaign, pollsters found that tooth brushing had become a daily ritual for more than half the population. Everyone from Shirley Temple to Clark Gable eventually bragged about a, quote, Pepsodent smile. Think about that. And what happened was that Hopkins used neurology of habits to people to get this done. I want you to think about that. Now, they didn't know this at the time. It wouldn't be until almost a, a century later that medical schools and psychology labs would fully understand why habits exist and how they function. But at the time, it was pretty impressive. There are historical outliers who seemed uh, to have that intuition or accidentally stumble into something. And Hopkins created a toothbrushing habit by identifying a simple and obvious cue. Remember, cue is important. Cue, delivering a clear reward, and most importantly, by creating a neurological craving. Remember, that's the key. The three parts to a habit. There's a cue. There's a routine, and there's a reward. Reward And craving is what powers a habit. So when Hopkins signed on to promote Pepsodent, he realized that he needed to find a trigger. A trigger. And so what he did is he basically came up with the point that, it, that a lot of people felt like there was a lot of plaque on their teeth. It's called mucin. It's called actually mucin plaques on the teeth, which we call film. And so it was this one issue that people could tell when their mouth was dirty, they'd get this film in their mouth. He used that one issue to really 
turn this whole thing. I don't know how, what even word to use. It's fascinating. If you read the book, you'll see what I'm talking about. See, he talked about you'll feel a film. That's what makes your teeth look off color and invites decay. So all habits, no matter how large or small, have three components. I want you to get this. There's a cue a trigger for a particular behavior. There's a routine, which is the behavior itself, and there's a reward, which is how your brain decides whether to remember a habit for the future. And when Hopkins identified, quote, tooth film, he found a cue that had existed. See, that's why I brought up the whole thing about the the film. It is the cue. It is the thing that triggers the pattern that triggers the, quote, routine, right? So three weeks after the first Pepsodent ad campaign, demand for the toothpaste exploded. There were so many orders that the company couldn't keep up. Matter of fact, in three years, three years, and this was way back in, what, the 60s, I think it was, 50s? In three years, the product went international. Within a decade, Pepsodent was one of the top-selling products around the globe. He made millions of dollars off of Pepsodent. And the key, he said, was that he had grounded his advertising campaign in two basic rules. First, find a simple and obvious cue. Second, clearly define the rewards. And that's what's missing in most people. That's why I'm struggling with my weight. That's why a lot of people can't stop their addiction to pornography or drugs or alcohol. See, even today, Hopkins rules are a staple of marketing textbooks. They're cited in boardrooms, advertising offices, and business school classrooms. After a decade after Pepsi uh, went on sale, competing toothpaste companies launched a massive project to figure out why. Why was Pepsodent so effective? What was the recipe? And see, here's the key. Unlike other toothpaste of that period, Pepsodent contained citric acid, as well as some mint oil and some other stuff, exotic chemicals. But Pepsodent's inventor had used those ingredients to make his toothpaste taste minty and to make sure the paste wouldn't become gluey. But those chemicals had another effect. Listen, they're irritants that create a, quote, tingling sensation on the tongue and the gums. And when researchers are comp- at competing companies started interviewing customers, they found that people said that if they forgot to use their Pepsi, they realized their mistake because, quote, that cool, tingling sensation in their mouth wasn't there. See, Claude Hopkins, as it turned out, wasn't selling beautiful teeth. He was selling a sensation. And that's the key with these habits. See, once people crave that cool tingling, once they equated it with, quote, cleanness, they put the equal sign, this tingling equals cleanness, brushing became a habit. Hopkins' success was driven by the same factors that caused Julio the monkey, right? Remember Julio? To touch the lever. And as soon as other companies discovered what Hopkins was really selling, they started imitating him. So they added chemicals, too, that caused the gums to tingle. Soon, Pepsodent started getting outsold. Even today, almost all toothpaste contains additives with the sole job of making your mouth tingle after you brush. But it really has absolutely nothing to do at all. It's just something you believe helps. And so studies indicate that anyone can use this basic formula to create habits of his or her own. 
This says here, want to exercise more? Choose a cue such as going to the gym as soon as you wake up and a reward such as a smoothie after each workout. Then think about that smoothie or about the endorphin rush you'll feel. Allow yourself to anticipate the reward. Eventually, that craving will make it easier to push through the gym doors every single day. How about this one? Want to craft a new eating habit? When researchers affiliated with the National Weight Control Registry, a project involving more than 6,000 people who've lost more than 30 pounds, and they looked at the habits, they found that 78% of them ate breakfast every morning, a meal cued by a time of day. But most of the successful dieters also envision a specific reward for sticking with their diet, a bikini they wanted to wear, or the sense of pride they felt when they stepped on the scale each day. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we need to behavior modify ourselves. We need to make sure we identify a cue. We need to then create a routine that then has a reward. And that's what we're talking about. As a leader, you must be able to modify behavior to help people get from where they are now to where they need to be. I'm Mr. Black, living life like it matters. And we'll be right back. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there's a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Welcome back to Living Life Like It Matters, Like It Matters Radio. Today, we are talking about one of the great qualities of a leader, and that is the ability to modify behavior. Leaders, we're we're builders of people. If we're going to build people, then we need to be able to guide them. If we are guiding them, then we need to be able to give them feedback on what they're doing, whether it's good or bad, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's resourceful or unresourceful. And as I brought up at the beginning of this radio program, that I have a gentleman in Uganda who understands English, but he does not comprehend what I'm saying. It's kind of like a lot of Americans today. We're all speaking the same language, but it looks like we're using a different dictionary. And the key is uh, modified behavior. See, we are being programmed, and you don't even know what's going on. Uh, It's stunning. I got this article here. uh, Glenn Greenwald calls out Democrats for absolute lie about Pulse nightclub massacre. Journalist Glenn Greenwald called out Democratic senators on Saturday who said they were spreading an absolute lie about the tragic Pulse nightclub massacre in Orlando, Florida that killed 49 people in June of 2016. To commemorate the fifth anniversary of the tragedy, which came on Saturday during Pride Month, Democratic senators posted messages to social media claiming the victims of the Pulse nightclub massacre were targeted because of their sexual orientation. You got Senator Tammy Duckworth, Senator Dick Durbin, Senator uh, Cory Booker. Uh, I don't remember which of the other one was. But Greenwald called him out, and he's a liberal. He said the senators were misrepresenting the motive behind the Pulse nightclub. It had nothing at all to do with LGBT animus, but it had to do the perpetrator was a terrorist who swore allegiance to the Islamic State, ISIS, and chose Pulse nightclub at random. 
And this is a quote from Greenwald. Democratic senators and activist groups promoting a false, conclusively disproven narrative about the poll shootings for their own benefits. Anti-LGBT animus was not N-O-T part of the massacre. It dishonors the memory of the victims and the LGBT cause to lie about what happened. See, no one cares about the truth anymore. You're being manipulated. Remember, Biden's good, Trump's bad. Remember, the Democrats are good, uh, Republicans are evil. This is the narrative that state-run media wants to believe. Look at this. Leftist candidate storms school bus, terrorized children by telling them she might have a bomb. So here this woman in Washington, uh, uh, she's running for a candidate for King County City Council uh, in Washington. Her name is Ubax Gardhier. Uh, a few years ago, in a full hijab, full hijab, walked onto a, a middle school bus and basically threatened him, started attacking people, called, uh, saying bad stuff that um, that Somalia and American relations, and she said that she might have a bomb on her, that she might have a gun, and she was talking down, I mean, angrily talking about America, this Muslim woman, uh, and she got arrested, all that, and I mean, she was scaring middle-aged kids school and basically making them think that she had a bomb or a gun that if they got off the bus that they would be hurting uh she they would be hurting their fellow students i mean stunning and this woman's elected official now and will be elected more how about this psychiatrists describe fantasies of murdering white people and yell see this is behavior modification today racism's okay racism okay as long as it's against white people uh dr king said it best Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And I'm going to tell you to continue his thought, his logical flow. Racism cannot wipe out racism. Only understanding love, Jesus Christ, only he can do that. But now it's cool. We're now modifying behavior so much that to hate white people is in. Uh, all these white liberals that are, you know, Black Lives Matter supporters, it's, again, behavior modification. The reward is being accepted. The the cue is if someone's black, they're a victim. If someone's white, they're evil. Don't you see? And the reward is they're accepted. The reward is now they're called woke. The reward, this is how we're being played. You know, you can't say anything about fraudulent election or you're slammed, you're destroyed, you're banned on social media. And yet we just saw that a judge in Georgia uh, has voter fraud on his mind. He said there's 147,000 ballots, mail-in ballots counted in Fulton County, and they look pristine. There's not a smudge on them. They're all filled out perfectly in the oval for just Joe Biden, nothing else. There's not a print on them, no wrinkle on them, nothing. They look like they just came out of the printing press. 147,000 of them. In 20 years, they've never seen anything like this. It's clearly that there was fraud. The election was only won by 12,000 votes. Here's 147,000 absentee ballots, all for Joe Biden, that look like they came right off the printing machine and never been touched by any Anybody. But again, on social media, if you bring that up, you're slammed, you're punished, you're banned. The same thing with the January 6th event, right? Those people are being harassed. Those 400 people they arrested are being held without rights. Now, you look at people, Antifa, you look at Black Lives Matter, they're destroying things, they're killing people, they're burning down cities, and they're out the same day. But you have people now that were the January 6th uh, event that have been held now for five months in solitary confinement, 
couple are being beaten on by, by black prison guards called all kinds of racial names. But see, don't you understand the behavior modification? And you got people want to belong. People want to know that they matter. People don't want to be canceled. This goes to the last piece I'm going to cover on the show. It's called neurosocial conditioning. I brought this up earlier. And by the way, please, we need your help on social media. Talk about Facebook. Please like us on Facebook. Just search for LIM Radio. And please like us. Share us. Uh, Same thing on YouTube. Just search Like It Matters Radio. LIM Radio. All right? And then like our channel. Subscribe to our channel, please. And wherever you listen to podcasts, please search for Living Life Like It Matters. And please, on a regular basis, we do it every Tuesday and every Thursday, a brand new show. Uh, Every Tuesday, I'm sorry, every Monday and every Thursday. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just go to Living Life Like It Matters. Neurosocial conditioning basically comes down to there are two driving forces in life. The desire for pleasure and the avoidance of pain. The desire for pleasure and the avoidance of pain. But again, neuroassociative conditioning. In other words, we associate feelings with things and then we're conditioned. That's what the power of habit was all about. It's about how we modify behavior. And so Tony Robbins did a lot of work with NAC, NAC. We call it NAC, neuroassociative conditioning. And he actually put together, which I think is good. It's all based on NLP, by the way, just so you know, uh, is basically a step six-step process. He said, step one, decide. Focus is always your first decision. Before you can work toward any goal, you must decide what they are. So how much you want to lose? So for me, I want to lose. You ready for this? 80 pounds. 80 pounds. And that'll get me down to 200. Right now, I'm at 280. So 80 pounds. All right. That's my big thing. I want to look good in my clothes. I want to feel good. I want to be able uh, in my classes, put in 20 hour days running around and in the morning, wake up after just two or three hours sleep. I did that for 25 years. It's been the last couple of years that's getting a little bit more challenging. So first of all, you got to decide. And today I'm deciding that I'm getting my body healthy again. Step two, leverage. Fully commit to your mission. We need to reprogram our brain. We got to use neurosociative conditioning. And by doing that, we got to ask ourselves the right questions. You know, what do I gain by doing this? What do I lose by not doing this? A lot of different questions, which I don't have time to go through right now. Step three, interrupt. Remember, we talk about all these belief systems are programs. You got to scratch the CD. You got to break the LP. You got to pull on the eight track. You've got to interrupt. You'll accept nothing short of achieving your goals. It's time to examine our limiting beliefs and discover what's holding us back. And again, this is where I can help you. Step four, create. Create the proper outcome. Create a routine. Create a cue. And then step five, condition. Now you've got to recondition. See how it works. Put in the new cues, the new commands, all that stuff. And step number six, test it. And this is where you can reach out to me. Reach out to me at mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Mr.black at likeitmatters.net. Or you can give me a call, 817-657-4921. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you, when you live your life like it matters, it does. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. 
Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters.